You're listening to Spirited Spirits, a spooky-centric podcast where we enjoy a spirit while we talk about spirits. I'm Steph. And I'm Drew. Thanks for joining us for our 10th episode. I know, it doesn't seem like that, but I mean, I can't believe we've been doing this for 10 weeks. It's um, To wow. me, it feels like a milestone. Like the... Right, we've... We've stuck with it for We've 10 stuck weeks. With it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we're a day late recording. We were originally going to record on Friday the 13th. But life. Well, it's just, <laughs> I had, we took our kiddo, well, I took our kiddo on a field trip and it was exhausting. It was chaotic. And um, mama needed to rest. <laughs> and and daddy, I think, was grateful because it meant that we actually got to watch Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th. Right. And kind of relax and chill. And so we are now recording this on Saturday, the 14th. As big horror movie buffs, I have to say, I think my favorite Friday the 13th is the fourth one. The <laughs> oh, final chapter. When Tommy like Jarvis when is Tommy introduced. When Tommy Jarvis is introduced. So I get it. It's pretty good. It's, it's a good, good one. one. Mm-hmm. So tonight we're going to talk about poltergeists. We're going to discuss whether the phenomena are caused by noisy spirits or, as some researchers believe, psychokinesis on the part of a young child, usually a girl. Like X-Men. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) But before we begin, let's tell people what we're drinking. Do you want to tell them? Uh, Yeah, so we're... It's up on our Instagram. Yeah, we're drinking a crafted cocktail called the Poltergeist, Mm -hmm. and we made it out of three ounces of gin... Mm-hmm. One ounce of blue, um, Caraco, <laughs> One ounce cherry liqueur, and about half ounce to an ounce of lemon juice, depending on how tart you like it. It tastes like a sweet tart. Yeah, it kind of reminds so me of a sweet tart. It's and it's so I we used stuff that we had already used previously with other cocktails, just because we didn't want to buy anything else, um, and add to our liquor cabinet. <laughs> right. But it's pretty good. I mean, it's a nice little cocktail to enjoy. Yeah, I think, I mean... The color's fun. It's this, like, teal or dark green color. You'll see it up, if you follow us on Instagram, you will see it up there, the picture and the the recipe. So, we hope you enjoy it, if you're interested in trying it out. So, to begin... Yeah, let's, let's, let's dive in. Let's dive in. Okay. According to the Element Encyclopedia of Ghosts and Hauntings by Teresa Chung, which I've mentioned this book before, the word poltergeist comes from two German words. Poltern, which means to knock, and geist, which means spirit. It is used to describe a ghost or energy that makes noises and moves objects around. Associated characteristics include flying objects, strange smells, unexplained noises, doors and windows opening and shutting, mysterious lights and apparitions, and in some cases, Physical attacks, such as scratching, slapping, biting, things of that nature. Hmm. And Drew, did you know that some of the earliest reports of poltergeist activity date all the way back to ancient Rome? Uh, No, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, like, do you I don't have any stories on that. Oh, man. It was just mentioned in the book, and I thought it was cool. But, yeah, so. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm sure that it was written about in one of those, like... Right. Old school ancient Rome folks, but I didn't find anything on it and I didn't focus my attention on that. Okay. So this phenomenon has, it's not new and it's, it's not a modern day thing. Poltergeists are typically described 
as mischievous, although some have been malevolent in nature. I'm going to talk about a couple of the most well-known poltergeist cases. I'm going to be fairly brief with some of these cases because I may later go into a deeper dive okay. into the stories because there is a lot to tell. Right. But for the purpose of, of our podcast tonight, <laughs> I am going to focus more on the, the, the general aspects that make it a poltergeist story, like okay. the activity, okay, that, that characterizes it as poltergeist activity, okay? So whenever I think of poltergeist, I think of two things. One, the movie Poltergeist. Right. And I think we would... That we mentioned last week. And then we went back and watched it. Right. And I like to point out that Poltergeist is the movie that I remember my parents showing me at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, probably, yeah, was, I too, probably was too was young. young to see it because my mom had to sleep on the trungle bed for like a week. Well, because it's 80s PG. It's 80s PG. It's PG, and but it's 80s PG. Re rewatching it this week... I, w- I was like, why was I so scared of this movie? And there's two scenes specifically. One, when the little boy gets eaten mm. by the tree. Like, <laughs> Spoiler alert for those who haven't seen the movie. <laughs> it's if you haven't seen Poltergeist, right. man, I, right. I don't know what but, to tell you. But, like, okay, so the kid, like, he gets pulled out of his bedroom window by this decrepit-looking tree, and then the tree opens a mouth hole mm-hmm. and he starts sliding in and i remember i was so scared of trees yeah. for a while i mean that. it's great that is a pretty spooky and i almost wish they hadn't put that in the movie because the the movie itself is so fantastic like all the actual documented stuff that they show like the fact that things are moving about the room and um you know beds are shaking and um, they have these researchers come and there's this like weird phenomena that's happening. Right. Like all of that's really great. We could have just left out the part with the tree. Like it just wasn't necessary. I mean, and it, it make... seems too fantastical to me. I don't know. It makes, it makes sense with the narrative of the story though, with I the guess. fact, the fact that there's dead bodies underneath the ground. And the dead bodies things. are able to like possess the tree. No, but I mean, if, if, de- if there's dead bodies and there's ghosts, and you think that like the tree is a but part then, of the ground. Okay, but then a fucking tornado comes. Oh, that is true. And it's like, and it takes the tree up, and it's like, oh, the tornado took the tree. So stupid. That part is so stupid. It everything still scared else, the shit out of me. As everything a child. <laughs> else I love about Poltergeist, but that part is really dumb. So really dumb. So the other thing that I think of when I think of Poltergeist is Peeves from. Uh, oh. Harry Potter. Because oh. I feel like that he is a poltergeist. Oh, okay. Do you do you know who I'm talking about? Yes, but I'm okay. But I'm, okay. <laughs> you're too very taken back by that. Uh, well, at first I thought you were going to say like Ghost Rider or something. Oh yeah, that too. I didn't think about that one. 90s. I was thinking. I was thinking more. We're '90s kids. Yeah, I was, kind of. I, was, I mean, we were born in the '80s, but we grew up in the '90s. So. I was thinking of Peeves because he's mischievous in Harry Potter and Hogwarts, and he's always like causing trouble. Yeah. And he's not really, you know, trying to hurt anybody. He's just kind of being an ass. Yeah, they're <laughs> so, mischievous. Right. Okay, so okay, so typically with poltergeists, the activity begins suddenly, and it can last a few days, a few months. Or even a few years. A young female is usually the center of the poltergeist activity, 
and many researchers believe it could be a type of recurrent unconscious psychokinesis brought on by the youth's repressed anger or some type of trauma. Huh. So I thought well, you would like that aspect of it because you like you're you're all things. Well, I don't like trauma. No, but, <laughs> I don't that's like not what trauma. I mean. But you like your because your background is yes. in so, mental health, and so I thought you might enjoy that piece of it. I mean, isn't that like kind of? Um, I mean, that's like Stephen King's Firestarter. I mean, did, did she have... Firestarter? He also did Carrie. Carrie yes, has... Carrie. Carrie has trauma. Yeah. I mean, we could go into a whole episode. We could about, do a whole, yeah. About we could do a deep dive on and psychokinetic stuff because mm-hmm. there's a lot of movies and books that have that. X Men has that. It's I mean, I hate to go back to X Men, but X Men's awesome. The rules. <laughs> um, I would highly suggest checking out those comic books and X Men is great. <laughs> I'll go into an entire episode about X Men. <laughs> um, but I mean, I mean that makes that's very interesting to think. Like you know trauma kind of releasing itself as yes. psychokinetic energy yes. well so okay so let me kind of go through the different cases i'm going to cover and then okay. i kind of want to get your opinion as a mental health professional okay. um and the fact that we only use what's the percentage like the amount of of our oh brain God. i don't i don't even know that's like 30 percent or something of that. it's yeah so it's a possibility but le- okay so let me just really quickly cover these cases so first we're going to talk about one of the most well-known Poltergeist cases in American history, the Bell Witch. The main activity took place in Red River, Tennessee, which is now called Adams, Tennessee, from 1817 to 1820. The full-length account of what happened is detailed in an authenticated history of the Bell Witch, published in 1894. In his book, Martin Ingram explains the first incident occurred in 1817 when farmer John Bell encountered a strange animal. Now, this animal had the head of a rabbit and the body of a dog. The hell? Yeah. So, John shot at it and apparently disappeared. That's not a poltergeist. That's like a... (laughs) Well, but that's sometimes these manifestations of these creatures sometimes are... And actually, when I was listening to another podcast... um, I've listened to a lot of information, a lot of podcasts, um, and read up a lot on this. They said that this kind of stuff also happens at, like, Skinwalker Ranch, mm. which is said to have a lot of paranormal activity. Yes. And they see weird creatures that have attacked livestock and stuff. So, hmm, interesting. Just something mm-hmm. to note, because I eventually want to talk about Skinwalker Ranch. Because it's, I'm... A, it's a Demogorgon, right? I really, I love, I, I'm really into Skinwalker stuff. Like, Skinwalker Ranch sounds so fascinating. I'd love to go visit it. Okay, so back to the Bell Witch. Soon after, the family began seeing and experiencing strange things on the property. John Bell's son, Drew. Oh, nice name. Drew. <laughs> claimed to see a weird large bird perched on a fence, which I'm kind of like, could have just been a stork, maybe. I don't know. I mean, yeah, or I don't know. Yeah, anything. Yeah. Um, daughter Betsy saw a girl in a green dress swinging from a tree. So that's a little Just more... like, just swinging? Well, or it seemed about, like, to be more of an apparition swinging from a tree. Okay. Okay. Dean, one of the Bell family's slaves, because, you know, this is the South. They had slaves. Um, had a large black dog follow him. So I guess he was allowed to go home or go, go visit his wife. Okay. And this dog would follow him. So that creeped him out, and he told the family about it. 
Now inside the home, the Bell family reported hearing knocking sounds on the wall. And there was weird gnawing sounds as if a rat was chewing on the furniture. And they also claimed to hear chains clinging, clinging which to me is just it's like... Jacob Marley. Right. I was thinking of like Christmas. <laughs> um, what is it? The Christmas Carol. Yes. Chicken Marley. Okay. But at first the family thought that the neighbors were just pulling a prank on him. Uh, in fact, John Bell had recently angered a woman named Kate Batts. Well, I'd be... And they thought she might have sent her slaves, again, they all had slaves back then, um, to harass the family. And Kate, I guess, apparently John and Kate had been in an argument because Kate felt that she had been swindled out of a land deal by John. And she'd promised to seek revenge on them. So, and some in town thought Kate was a witch. So, and the last name is Bats. <laughs> she's Kate Bats. She's, yeah. Um, so, the activity escalated to physical manifestations with Betsy, who is the daughter, getting the brunt of the attacks. She had her hair tied to the bed, like it was braided and tied to the bed so that when she woke up, she was like stuck to the bed and her covers were pulled down. She was slapped by the entity. The other children were also scratched and there would be welts that would appear on their legs. Mm. So John Bell didn't want anyone to know what they were experiencing. And for, this happened for about a year, but he finally confided in his neighbor, James Johnston. At first they tried reading the Bible and doing prayers to try and stop the poltergeist activity. But I guess in trying to communicate with whatever was going on, they actually encouraged it, which sometimes happens that seems in hauntings. Like that, that seems like that always happens. It does happen. It's in just, it's like, you, anytime you acknowledge its presence, it's right. going to communicate back it, with you. It's like in every horror movie where they're like, hey, let's pull out this Ouija board. Right. But big no-no. <laughs> so. Big no-no. Okay. So it began speaking. And when they asked... Who the spirit was and what it wanted, it responded, I am a spirit. I was once very happy, but have been disturbed. It's a very generic spirit <laughs> thing to say. Well, it's so. Not, I mean, I mean, for like, honestly, like that, that's the most generic thing. It's like, it's like saying, I am a ghost and I'm here to haunt you. <laughs> well, apparently, <Blah>! okay. So apparently. <laughs> That's more of a vampire, I guess. Apparently, the, the, the spirit, the entity indicated that, so there was a Native American burial ground mm. that was on the family's property. And in one account that I read, the, the, the boys had found a jawbone and they had brought it, like they, I, I don't know what the hell they were doing, but they brought in this jawbone. And was it a human jawbone? Yes, oh, okay. apparently. And one of the teeth had fallen out and had landed in the cracks between the floorboards in, okay. in the home. And and the boys, like the whoever, said, you need to go rebury that bone. Don't mess with that. So they went and they reburied it. But the tooth that had fallen out of the jawbone was still stuck inside the floorboards, right? So it's that tooth that that allegedly caused the haunting. Again, this has not been verified. I don't know if that's true. It's a very odd thing. Like, I mean, it, it, would, it makes sense in the realm of, like, you know, the idea of if they're being haunted by whatever. Right. That there's something that's left behind. Right. There's that, always some type of conduit. Needs be, that needs to be, like, placed back in. Right. Now, a tooth, <laughs> it's going to be really hard to find. Right. 
Well, okay, so, but the entity said a lot of things that may or may not have been true. It knew a lot about the Bible, which I find very interesting. But, I mean, so to Satan, right? Like Lucifer mm. could probably speak to the Bible. Um, and it enjoyed arguing with the family regarding stri- scripture. The spirit seemed to like John's wife, Lucy, the best. When she got sick with pleurisy, the entity gave her fruits and nuts to help her recover. It also sang hymns to Lucy, but it did not show the same kind of kindness to John. Instead, the spirit cussed out John frequently and threatened to kill him, and his health began to decline. Hmm. Yeah, isn't that interesting? It Why is. would it be singing hymns right. to Lucy, but then cussing out John? Well, at first, it's like, I... oh, Lucy, God, uh, I don't know, God is in his holy temple, earthly thoughts be silent now. thought I'd do a little Poltergeist 2 reference in there. Wow, that was really <laughs> well done. <laughs> a little creepy. And then um, John would be like, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> it goes completely evil down. <laughs> So, but my question, my, my thing is, at first I thought, I was like, okay, if, um, what's her name again? The wife. Lucy. Lucy. Is the wife. If Lucy was having like, cause like I, sometimes I'm, I'm, I, I kind of skirt this line of, is it a ghost or is it like psychosis or something? Mm-hmm. But then John is saying that he also is hearing something that's cursing him out. Right. So, but also, is it like a situation where she is having psychosis and he's kind of just feeding into it? No, I think there's more going on because the bulk, you'll find out the bulk of the activity is actually Betsy. Oh. Yeah. And that's the daughter. What a twist. (laughs) Okay. So as word spread about the Bell Witch, more and more people would come to their home to witness the activity. They wanted to see it for themselves. Even Andrew Jackson came to visit the family farm. So prior to becoming the seventh president of the United States, Andrew Jackson was a general in the military. He brought his troops with him to investigate the haunting. And apparently his wagon stalled and they could not get it to move. And he said, this is a quote, Mm -hmm. by the eternal boys, it is the witch. And a voice came out of the brush and said, all right, general, let the wagon move on. I'll see you again tonight. They stayed one night at the Bell home and then left. I have no idea what happened. Couldn't find an account on it. Um, I don't think anyone really knows other than Andrew Jackson and the, the, the folks that were there in that home that night. But the fact that they stayed the night in that home has now become part of American folklore. And allegedly Jackson said, quote unquote, I would rather take on the entire English fleet than stay one night at the Bell house. Isn't that interesting? This also reminds me, and, and, and this is not even, because I, I guess I always just equate things to movies. Oh, here we I go. Love movies. Um, it also, it also reminds me a little bit of like The Witch mm, type mm-hmm, of situation, mm-hmm. which is a great movie. As it is well. a good movie. So, but it just seems like, um, like family out in the middle of. Like, but in The Witch, mm-hmm. though, it wasn't overtly a witch attacking. There was just weird things that happened. Right. And the baby goes missing, but there's not overt 
things there's things are not moving about the house right it's not like a ghost thing and now the son does act a little possessed at one point which Thro- again spoiler throws, alert throws sorry guys apple. but yeah i mean there's some weird stuff that happens with the son but there, it's this it, it isn't quite the same thing but now i want to watch the witch <laughs> so it's thanks good, for that it's a good movie we have so many movies i want to watch now okay so on December 20th, 1820, John Bell died. They found a strange vial of medicine near him. And the doctor gave some to the cat to kind of like test, I guess, and see what was in the vial. And the cat apparently laid down and died. The spirit claimed to take credit for John's death, saying that it had given the poison to him. Did it ever say what that was? No. Nope. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it smelled foul. I I found a reference where it had, it had a it had a foul smell. Like it was clearly some type some of poison. Some type of quote unquote poison, but it right. didn't say what it was. No. But they gave it to the cat. Yes. So several months What a way what a way to test it. I mean <laughs> Well, I mean, back in those days I guess they were like, Oh, come here, cat. Like Right, I know. It's let's see what this I know, all right, this is an 1820, I get it. Right. But it's just... There was no, like... uh, CSI. Animal. And there was no, like, animal protection agency being like, you can't do that. Right. The animal. You shouldn't be able to do that. You can kill the cat. Well, I... But, I mean... But the thing is, though, I mean... I agree. But it's just... It's interesting there's not, like, anything like, oh, it's further found out that this was... Not that... No. I guess there's no testing back then. No, Right. There's no way to test it. You're just going by whatever's written down in in the ledger. Exactly. So So several months later, Betsy, who is betrothed to Joshua Gardner, who is, I guess, a a little bit older than her, but not quite as, like, they apparently had a little thing. They broke off their engagement because the entity had begged her, please, Betsy, don't marry Joshua Gardner. And so because it begged her, and I guess there was some, some different activity going on around it, she broke she broke off the engagement. Okay. And soon after that the Bell Witch said goodbye and promised to return in seven years. Oh now it sounds like Pennywise. Now <laughs> I I wanna also I also wanna let you know that the entity did because remember going back, remember how I mentioned that Kate Batts Yes was allegedly a witch right and they thought that maybe she had sent this entity this the spirit to come torment john bell yes so she the entity sometimes referred to itself as kate or they would call it kate and it would respond to kate okay so she asked for like projecting type of thing i have no idea i don't because that's like that's that's something that might i mean so Kate, I'm just telling you this, I'm telling this because Kate, quote unquote, did return seven years later in 1828, but she only stayed a few weeks. And during that time, she reminisced about the past, specifically about killing John Bell, and made predictions about the future. She then said she would return in 107 years, which would have been 1935. Now, some people in that area believe the entity never really left and strange occurrences have plagued have continued to plague the bell farm and the surrounding area all these years apparently there's even a bell witch cave that you can go and explore so i want to go yeah i do too i like caves 
I do too. Yeah, I want to go. I want to go explore and see what, what that's about. But apparently if you remove a stone from the cave, she will haunt you. Oh, well, I will not take a rock. Do not take a rock. <laughs> so. We can't take our child because he could probably take a rock. Right. So, okay. So in my research, I did want to bring this up and I don't know how true it is. And I'm going to give a big trigger warning here. Okay. Trigger, trigger. Betsy allegedly admitted later that the Bell Witch was something she had made up or conjured up in a way to deal with the trauma of her father's sexual abuse. Well, shit. So John Bell had married Lucy, his wife, when she was only 12 years old. And as she Mm. aged, I guess he was no longer interested in her. So he apparently set his sights on his daughter and the poltergeist activity was Betsy's psychokinesis. And it was her way of kind of seeking revenge on her father for molesting her. And actually this scenario is depicted in the movie An American Haunting. If we, you have seen that movie, we've, we've watched, watched that, it. It's been watched a, while. In a while. I know I wanted to rewatch it before we did this podcast, but we haven't had right. a chance to. I that's okay, so let's I wanna unpack that for a second here. Yeah. Because if okay, so that if that's the case, which we believe we believe survivors, we believe People that come forward and tell their trauma story. Exactly. Um, if that's the case, that's fucked up. Because like the whole the whole thing is that she's creating a manifestation of her trauma. Mm-hmm. So they so, were saying that like when the covers were being pulled down, it was her right. reliving that. So so the thing is is some and, and not every single one, but when there's like you know sexual trauma or very traumatic things, the brain invents ways of coping and so that's definitely sounds like one that could be like okay i'm gonna almost like just like take this dissociative or not dissociative like, oh, okay. but like like take this situation of the trauma and, and almost like manifest. detach it and manifest it into something else yeah so it's like isn't that interesting if that could if that's if really that's, the case i that sounds like the case because if she comes forward and says that i mean it that that was Makes just sense. one account I found. I don't have any proof or backup of that. Right. I don't even know how they would have even found that information. Well, out. if she said if she had like disclosed that later when mm-hmm. she felt safe after his death, then that it makes was sense. yes, it was that. I mean, sense. I mean, he can't hurt her anymore. Right. So, he, so she feels like she's safe enough to to say that. Yeah. I mean, that's. Mm. <sighs> I know. So do we want to take a break real quick and make another drink? We don't have any more gin. You don't have any more gin? I don't think so. That's... We have like... There's enough gin to... Okay, then you make me one. I'll make you one. <laughs> I'll make you a drink. You... There's enough. There's probably... Okay, then don't make the full three ounces. Do like one ounce each or two ounces each or whatever you can... I'll, I'll figure it out. Okay. We're going to do so, it live like Bill O'Reilly. That's, Gross. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Shush. <laughs> Okay, so um, okay, so let's let's have a kind of different um, storyline here, like a different conversation. Okay. Which is your favorite Poltergeist movie? Poltergeist one, Poltergeist two, or Poltergeist three? Mm. <laughs> I am going to say I I have a 
You like originals. I really don't like you? I like originals, and I feel like they're. But well, no, I can't say that because I also said that my favorite Friday the Thirteenth was the. Exactly. Exactly. So, but I, I think I really like the first one because it's set up to be. Here's the situation where the girl, you know, Caroline is taken, mm-hmm. and they have to find her. And so, like, you have that. The second one, it's good. I think it's a good movie. I just don't think it's as good as the first. I the, love the third movie. one is completely off the rails, and I, and well, I, it's and not. That it's, one is sad it's, it's sad. It's it's depressing to watch because I feel like. The little girl is like, yeah, yeah, the little girl's dying, like in. I mean, she's literally dying while she's filming this this movie, and so the fact that you're watching that happen on film is kind of gross. Yeah, because it's like, oh, you know, this is your kind of your this is your legacy, Heather. You had to film this. Well, no, let's let her be a kid for like the last like year of her life. I know. Instead of filming a third act to this. This horror trilogy. <laughs> so I really enjoyed the first one, but like I said, the whole like tree eating scene is kind of annoying. I it's not. I, it's annoying to, and the tree and then the damn tornado. It's annoying. It's stupid and it's annoying and it's not necessary. But <clears throat> I adore the second one. I don't know what why it is. Do you, why do you have such a? Well, love I'll tell you what it is. That. I absolutely adore the man who plays the Native American guy. Oh, I you do love. love you, you do love Native American culture. I do, but I love him in that role. His like his character is fantastic, and then the whole creep factor with the now the first movie it's not clear what the entity is that kind of like comes after Caroline. It's um this the little psychic lady. Um, her know? name is her. I, I know her. Her actual name is Zelda. Zelda. Okay. Yes. The, the actress's name. Yes. Um. But so in the in the movie, it's they, it's explained that there's like this evil entity that like it calls to her. It acts like it's a child. Right. right? And then it turns out it's this Quaker. Right. Well, in the second one, they um they kind of they kind of explain that it's this um Quaker guy. Who, um, oh, here we go with the shaking. Okay. Um, so the Quaker guy, you know, he, he had led these people to the promised land, so to speak. And that, he, that there was going to be the end of days, right? Um, and that's definitely creepy, and I enjoy it. Um, I enjoy the aspect of it. Um, and especially the guy, the, a lot of people who were in that movie were dying because the poor guy who played the Quaker guy was dying of cancer yeah, as well. He had stomach cancer. It's yeah. So, or, or did she have stomach cancer? He had, he had throat or something cancer, I think. Cause I know, I, they had, I know they both had cancer. And then you had, I think you, he had throat cancer or something. And, and I mean, we're getting off. We're getting off topic but but the first Poltergeist movie, well, even that one too. I mean, there's like a curse to it. Like the mm-hmm. the oldest daughter got strangled to death by her well, boyfriend. Yes, uh, Dominique Dunn, mm-hmm. right? Dunn's. They used real cadavers, real skeletons on set because they didn't think that the one the, the fake skeletons looked real enough. I just think it's bad juju. And even the Native American guy said the same thing because they did it again on the second set. And he was like, I'm going to have to go in and bless the set. So he went in there and had to, in like, saging the shit out of the, the set because of all the yeah. evil energy and shit going on. Like now, now we just use, like, you know, green screens for all that. Okay. Well, anyway. So, um, 
but I really enjoy the second one. The first one's great. The first one is actually the directed first one, by Toby Hooper, kind of on the back end, but I think also, Steven hold on, he, Spielberg. Steven Spielberg had more of his hand into it than people originally yeah. thought. So yeah. it's a Toby Ho- Hooper film who, you know, Toby Hooper, and then, you know, Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg I ha- think, was, was pretty much like calling the shots the entire time. I think he got a lot of his inspiration for that Twilight Zone episode, Little Girl Lost, which you've, if you've not seen it, I highly recommend watching it. Um, a lot of times, I, I love um, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, getting to watch all the Twilight Zones on Sci-Fi Channel. That is a highlight. There's all, they, you can also find them elsewhere, but I really enjoy it. And there's the episode Little Girl Lost where the little girl gets um, through. She's essentially, she accidentally falls into this portal and they right. cannot find her. And they, and they draw that chalk drawing on the, on the yes, wall. Yes, yes. And it's just the same situation. Spoiler as alert, sorry. But it's if, really If you haven't good. seen that episode, it's like the 1950s. I know, I know. But it, it's not totally a spoiler because you don't know what happens at the end. But... Um, I do think he got some inspiration from that as well because the fact that she's like gone, she's been sucked into this portal in her closet in the first Poltergeist film. Right. Um. Anyway, okay, so let's move on. <laughs> right. We've we've gone off on this little tangent now for quite a while, and we've got our second drinks now. So let's talk about another well-known Poltergeist story, which is the Enfield Poltergeist. The poltergeist activity occurred at 284 Green Street in Enfield, which is located in North London, England, between 1977 and 1979. A single mother and her four children were tormented by an entity that claimed to be the ghost of a man who died in the home. The entity, which was said to be Bill Wilkins, would speak through 11-year-old Janet Hodginson. The poltergeist activity began August 30th, 1977. So apparently Janet said the beds were shaking and her mother Peggy thought she was pulling a prank. But when she heard a crashing sound, she ran upstairs and she found the heavy oak chest of drawers had moved across the room. And when she tried to move it back, the chest was sh- was shoved towards the door by an invisible force which is actually depicted in the movie The Conjuring 2. <laughs> oh. Uh, this whole story, it's depicted in the movie Conjuring 2. Okay. They also heard knocking sounds on the walls. And so Peggy calls the police, and the police officers arrive, and they see a chair move across the room. Now, after investigating, the police could find no explanation for the activity. They said it was out of their hands. So Peggy then reaches out to the press and a Daily Mirror photographer came out and witnessed several things moving about the room. In fact, they, were, they, they called lots of media to come out um, and kind of investigate and document what was going on. And they would come out and document, but they had no, they had nothing for them. Hmm. Like they had, they had no, there was no solution. <laughs> Well, yeah, they what just was want to happening? document it. They don't right. want to give you a solution. They just want to take pictures of it. So when the media was unable to help them, the family reached out to the Society for Psychical Research. The Society sent investigators Maurice Gross and Guy Lyon Playfair, a poltergeist expert, to investigate the incidents. They witnessed Legos moving, like Lego pieces and marbles flying about the room. Sofas were levitating. Furniture was moved on its own. 
Allegedly, a famous picture depicts Janet levitating off of her bed, although some argue the picture captures her jumping off the bed. Now, most of the activity centered around Janet, so many believe she was the source of the psychokinesis, if that's what this poltergeist activity was. And skeptics have pointed to the fact that Janet admitted to faking some of the activity. Researchers caught the girls bending spoons. Mm. What if there is no spoon? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. so. So, okay. So was there any trauma related to that one? I don't know. Let me finish real quick and okay. then you can kind of postulate. Is that the word? I don't know. What are you thinking? When you when you consider I'll think about things. Okay. <laughs> so again, like I said, this was all depicted in the movie The Conjuring Two because apparently Ed and Lorraine Warren came out and investigated the activity at one point. But not quite as I guess extensively as what's portrayed in the film. Now I did want to read to you I have you know the book The Demonologist, The Extraordinary Career of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Okay, and in the book, on page 274 and 275, it says, This infield case makes Amityville look like a playhouse. I mean that truly, the Lutzes were able to move out after 28 days of terror. This is a case where the people can't move out for economic reasons and have had to put up with the disturbance for three years. So in the book, it goes on to say that the case began in 1976. This is now Ed and Lorraine in their book. They believe, of course, that it's demonic in nature. They said that the girls drew inhuman entities into the house after playing with a Ouija board. Surprise, surprise. And that a few weeks later, the spirit infested their home. But the entity didn't come alone. The Warrens believed that there were six or seven entities, I think six spirits, that were present in the home. And so the spirits, of course, were doing the normal infestation thing. They were doing the knocking, the rapping, the scratching. Rapping? The rapping on the walls. Oh. Not actual rapping. <laughs> not like things to rap. Okay. And poundings on the wall. Objects were moved. They were materialized. They, people were levitated. Um, and apparently there were black forms that were manifested and floated about the house. So I, I won't go into too much more of what the book says because there's some um, information in here about how Ed actually interviews one of the entities. But the main entity that came through, at least the one that's depicted in most articles that I hear about and in the movie, is Bill Wilkins. So I... Don't know if there was a history of trauma with these children. Um, it was a single mom. Um, well, so, uh, yeah. Not, so and, I, I mean, there's no, there's no, the only one that we have right now out of these, these stories that you're saying is like the Bell Witch. Like, that's the only one that says like, oh, hey, like. I but I don't have any proof of that. That was just in one account I read. I had, I don't know. Right. right. So, well, based at, on these two cases, what do you think is the cause of poltergeist activity? Are you leaning towards an entity, like a, a spirit that's causing objects to move? Or are you leaning more towards a form of psychokinesis? And I realize these are just two cases of many. I would, so, have, to, I would have to definitely see 
a lot more cases to make an informed decision. decision. Okay. How did I know you were going to say that? Because I love data, <laughs> <laughs> and I want to. I want to see. I want to see more of like because the more cases you have, the more you're able to identify a correct picture of what's happening. Mm -hmm. So, but the th what I'm looking at from just these two cases alone, okay, we've had two only two cases um, that are presented here. So we have one where, you know, she said like says later like, "Oh, my dad was abusing me sexually." I was making that up as a, as a way, you know, mm -hmm. so we have that. Then on this one for the infield case, we have saying that they admitted to faking some of the activity. Yeah. Researchers caught the girls bending spoons. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'd want but to dive in more other, into that. In other cases or in other situations in the home, there were media, right? There were mm -hmm. different uh, media outlets that were there right. and they were present when objects were moving about the room and there was no explanation I, I for wanna, that. I want to know, were any of these sofas like caught on film levitating? Because I feel like some, yeah, I mean, you that's can some go, pretty big, that's a big deal. I don't know if I have the rights or the ability to, um, to me, what's some of the creepiest evidence is hearing that little 11 year old girl speak in the voice of the entity and also that's and i don't too. and i don't know if i have the rights or the ability to play that on this podcast but i highly recommend that you go and you try and listen right. to that online you can find it i've listened to it and it is terrifying this is this voice is coming in an 11 year old child yeah, I think that's the other thing. That, too, to me, is insane. About, like, this podcast. We're just two horror nerds that are discussing this stuff. We're not yeah. experts. So I think, like, you know, looking at, you know, finding your own information and research and, and making your own determination. Yeah, please, yeah, but, please don't rely just on us. <laughs> but, um, but I think two things, or one thing, is it's very interesting that these entities have just kind of random names like kate and bill wilkins like yeah well so it's just, it's just odd but the, but kate kate was because of the woman right who... and 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 i don't so you're saying like you know it could be psychokinetic like kinetic energy due to trauma mm -hmm. but i feel like that we we don't have we don't have the evidence for that to make that de that determination okay so can i give my thoughts what's your thoughts I think some of it could be psychic, psychical in nature, like psychokinesis. Right. Um, I still think, though, a lot of it is there's some type of demonic possession. There's some type of possession involved here that where um, some so some people believe that Betsy poisoned her father. OK, I mean, to be honest, if if she, if she, if was, she was sexually, sexually abused, abused, yes, that makes sense. But I also wonder if the entity whether she manifested it or it was something else, the entity could have possessed her and then, you know, poisoned her father. Like, found the vial. Maybe it was rat poisoning. Maybe it was arsenic. I don't know what it was. But gave it to her father. And her father thought it was medicine, and, you know, he died. Um, and then the case with Janet, like, she was clear. There was clearly stuff going on. But then they also caught Janet doing things like bending spoons. What if it was the entity, the demon or whatever, that had possessed Janet 
Right. And it was having her do these things for attention or for whatever reason. And so she was caught, but she didn't, maybe she didn't remember doing those things. Because during that time, I, she was in that possessed state. And so therefore, she didn't remember doing it. She wasn't trying to do it on purpose. It was just this know. entity. Because there was clearly, like I said, there was clearly activity going on. But then when they catch her doing things like that, like bending spoons... But also, it could be kids' attention seeking too. Well, like, some people because, believe that. Because yes. my my thought, because I had, you know, I've had, I've had kids that I've worked with, where I have been able to find out that the psychosis or something that they've been stating has not been real. Like they have been making that up to deal with like other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, because kids can lie for a certain amount of time before, like, the cracks start forming a little bit. And then they start panicking, kind of making up stuff to, like, say, oh, like, no, look, like, this is it. But you've never, in your experience, had anything move in front of you. Well, no. If I had something move in front of me, I feel okay. like that would well, be a life-changing Okay, well, then that would change event. your... Exactly. Like... <laughs> so, so you telling me that a kid tells you, oh, yeah, I, I just made that well, up because I was... Blah blah blah. That's very different than actually witnessing something move, or witnessing some type of of, of paranormal or supernatural well, if, if, if I, experience, if I, and then the kid being like, "I just made it up." That to me is going to be different. Well, baby, it's if, I, if be I witness something moving in front of me, that that would probably be the time where I'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's that's real." I I'm not saying it's not. This isn't real. I'm saying there's just like so many things stacked against it where I'm like, okay, like. Could this be just like a coping me- mechanism for trauma? Like, I mean, because, and that's where I skirt the line sometimes where I'm like, okay, is this real? Is this a ghost? Is this poltergeist? Right. Or is this like actually just a coping mechanism for something else or trauma or psychosis or, or whatever, delusions, whatever? I hear you, the yeah. brain can do crazy stuff to protect itself. And so. And there are more poltergeist stories. Like, there's more mm. stories of poltergeist activity that I did not cover here tonight. Right. Um, and we could go into those in maybe a future podcast and maybe your opinion will change or maybe Maybe. it won't. I don't know. Maybe it'll help justify, um, your thoughts about things. I don't know. But listeners, we'd like to know, have you had any poltergeist activity in your home? What do you think poltergeists are? Do you think that they're spirits or do you think that it's a manifestation of trauma? So we want to hear from you. Email us at contactspiritedspirits at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Spirited Spirits and Instagram at Spirited underscore Spirits underscore podcast. And feel free to comment on the photos we share, including the one we just shared of the cocktail recipe. If you try the cocktail out and you like it or you don't like it, just let us know. See what you, you know, we'd like to hear what you think. So we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and uh, please rate and review us if you haven't already done so. So, also, um, I would also like to hear from anybody and let me know what your favorite Poltergeist movie is. Yeah, we want to know. Is it the first, which is the best, <laughs> the second, or the third? Because Their I feel third like... third one's fun, though. It is I fun feel like in the, some ways, and if you it's say, sad. if you say the remake, I don't think we can be friends. If you say the remake, don't even... Because that's not, <laughs> it's not good, Gus. It's, it's really not. bad. I it's even really like bad. Guy Fieri. What's his name? Guy Fieri? No, what's his name? <laughs>
Guy Fieri. What the hell is that guy? It's Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Why did I think of it? Guy Fieri is the the mayor of Flavortown. I mean, he's not even at all. I really like Sam Rockwell. How do you think Guy Fieri? Shush. (laughs) I really like Sam Rockwell. He's really good in the Bad Guys movie, too. Oh, I love you, but wow. We're going to talk about that later. Okay, so anyway. I'm not good with names. You're not good with sayings or names. <laughs> so anyway, like rate and review us if you haven't already done so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thanks for listening to us every week. We enjoy this little hobby of ours, talking it's with fun. each other every week and talking with you all about like spooky stuff and movies and just all sorts of stuff. Um, so again, you know, we hope that you will continue to join us every week as we talk about spirits while we sip on a spirit. Bye.